0: today. We have an amazing guest. We have Natalie K. Howard here. Natalie is an attorney that specializes in all areas of family law, including divorce, prenuptial, and postnuptial agreements, custody, child support, wills, and trust. Natalie understands that sometimes family and relationship problems can be emotionally draining, so she aims to lift a great deal of the burden from your shoulders by finding the best possible solution to your legal issue. Up next, Natalie Howard, I know I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not, I'm crazy. I know I know I'm not crazy. I know I'm crazy. Natalie, now, oh k howard how are you today girlfriend
1: hi Naja. i'm doing well thank you so much for inviting
0: me on to speak about these matters today but first let's just kind of let everybody get to know natalie k howard legal eagle and songstress extraordinaire natalie tell <laughs> us a little bit
1: about yourself hilarious well like <laughs> you stated so beautifully in the beginning Naja. i am a family law business law and the state planning attorney in metro atlanta we Help people with a number of legal issues in those three areas. And again, I'm just happy to be here to share some knowledge with your with your audience. So, so let's get why started.
0: Family, why family law? Because you know, you start off in law school and you're like, I could go into some super glamorous um, or some super boring sect of law, or I can just go and deal with the crazy people like Naja <laughs> has. Well, why family law though, Natalie?
1: Well, you know, I am the product of divorced parents, and oh, I, I didn't did know see, that. yeah, absolutely, and and I and I was able to see and understand the impact that divorce had on children and on on married couples as well. Um, and I learned quite a bit through that experience and just wanted to focus all of my attention and all of my energies on helping families navigate that that broad complexity. You know, along with divorce, you know, comes child support, comes visitation and parenting and remarriage and and so it all kind of boils down and, and rolls together into into this one body of law. And so usually, if you experience one of these issues, you're probably going to experience another one of these issues. And so again, it's just one of those things that that I really love and I really enjoy.
0: So you took an adverse child experience, which we talk a lot about here on this in this particular podcast. And you know, divorce, experiencing the divorce of a parent is a form of trauma. So you took that and you're like, I'm going to do something positive with it.
1: That's exactly- Exactly Right. You know, I love my parents, you know, no shade to Betty and Dale more. Uh, <laughs> they were great <laughs> parents and they they navigated it the best that they could. But of course, you know, like you said, it doesn't matter how well you try to navigate things. It can still be traumatic to, to the parties involved. And so Absolutely. It, it was something that motivated me. I said, I can either let this make me or break me. And so I chose to allow it to make me into who I am today. And again, I, it's something I really enjoy, you know, helping families better navigate those waters and and of course, you know, bringing justice to the unjust situations that can arise. So, really?
0: observing your own parent situation, and now that you're a professional, um, in hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course, everybody's a Monday morning quarterback. Lord knows I am. <laughs> what what could have happened differently in your own personal experience? What could your parents because we have a lot of people that are going through divorce that are listening to this. We have a lot of divorced parents that are kind of just dropping uh-huh. the ball when it comes to their kids. So it's so yeah. interesting for us to have not only a child of divorce, but a child that used her own parents divorce to um, t- is your motivation to make the world a little bit easier for the next guy. So what could what could they have done? Betty, would you say Betty and Dale? Mom, Betty and dad. Dale. Honey. <laughs> I love my mom and daddy. But what um, could they have done differently. And well, parents, know, I hope you, know. you all are listening to this. OK, <laughs> I don't want you guys' so, ego to be in this. Like parents out there who all are listening. Right. Okay, go ahead.
1: That's right. You know, uh, when we know better, we do better. And so, yes. you know, one of the things that was is and it it was and it still is kind of taboo in the black community is just getting mental health support. Uh, yes. And and so, you know, right before my parents split, not not bef- not long before, I say a couple years before they split up, we lost uh, a sibling yeah you know, um and oh. we never really was able to deal with that from a mental or emotional perspective because you know we, we come from the typical African-American family. You go to church, you pray. We're, like, We're going to pray it away, well, you, honey. Yeah, We're- you're going to try to pray the herd away. Right. And so, you know, we didn't really understand the importance or the significance of seeking any type of additional mental health from professionals. And so I think if anything, uh, you know, that coupled with your parental split a couple of years later, uh, it, you know, it, it can it can leave some scarring there, you know, to say the least. And so I think that we I would have certainly benefited. I can't speak for my other siblings, but I would have certainly benefit from being able to speak with somebody candidly about that because it was just something we just didn't talk about, you know, and we had the kind of parents, very old school, you don't get in grown people's business. You are a child, you stay in the house place, you know? Mm. And so we just didn't have that opportunity to, you know, to really express how we were feeling. So if anything, I would say that was one of the, uh, the factors that I felt was most, uh, uh, I guess, necessary, yes. uh, especially today, you know, um, when kids have so much more to deal with on top of, you know, the divorce process and, and proceedings and the split, you know, you got all the bullying and you got the, you know, the internet access got, to social yeah, media. Access, exactly. Yes. So I think, again, you know, you're, 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 compiling and compiling issues on these younger you know people who, and they don't know how to handle it so and i think support is 100
0: okay um, so you necessary. would have liked some support and you know what just no shade to any of our parents because i as also i didn't get i didn't go to therapy i didn't think about coaching or anything until i became an adult as well and it's right. just something that i you know know what i'll say this black millennials That is changing with our generation. But I can't Mm -hmm. say the same for our parents' parents' generation. And a lot of my white friends, Asian friends, I do remember thinking they were crazy, you know, they're telling me, oh, you know, my parents are sending me therapy. I'm like, dude, are you going to like, are you a school shooter? Like, I did not realize that, you know, just like a dental appointment, just like a regular checkup, you also, it's okay to have mental health um, check-ins. So I, you know, I I, I commend you on even... Thank you for sharing that. An interesting oh, no statistic. Um, I know I used to think, and um, the comment, there's a myth out there that most families, most marriages don't make it after the death of a child. At one point they were saying that there were 72% of marriages failed after the death of a child, but that's no longer true. They said mm-hmm. only about 16% of marriages fail after um, the parents lose a child which you know both are things that are completely unimaginable just wanted to throw that situation right. out there um for that's, anybody that's dealing with that yes yes yeah. absolutely so natalie what personal life married kids um and of course i gotta know about the singing like what, what why let's start with that why in in the heck did natalie not go and become this big famous <laughs> singer tell me that well you know um
1: it, it it just wasn't in the cards for me you know i i was very much so an academic <laughs> okay, okay. um you know i i enjoy singing i played four instruments two of them classically trained uh, music is in my blood my mother played the organ at just about every church that you know, we attended mm-hmm. growing up. She's a singer. Her father was a singer. My sisters so musicians sing. are just everywhere,
0: all over your family. Yeah,
1: we're all okay. musicians and singers. And so it's just part of who I am, but it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do with my life. I, I'm a firm believer that just because you have a talent that does not make it your purpose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and
0: so <laughs> you should tell 20 year old Naja that, honey, I would please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sometimes it's just something you want to do for fun or you just want to do, as you know in worship and give it back to god so yeah you know it 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 was it's something i still enjoy doing and i love to do i i get nervous on the spot it's not that i don't want to i just get a little nervous but um (laughs) well i have heard
0: you sing on the spot and uh, you know you all just take it from me she has a beautiful singing voice and you know what i'm not even gonna because you are an attorney i'm not gonna ask you about your personal team marriage and family and stuff because you know you might have clients listen to this and i know a (laughs) lot of attorneys don't share um, pieces of their personal life like that. So my bad for even, I wasn't even thinking, my bad. Oh, no, you're fine. Well, this I is
1: like no a... problem to let everybody know, you know, okay. um, that I have a child, that I'm married and, you know, we, we live a, t- a typical suburban life, you know. We,
0: Beautiful. Uh, there's no
1: real, dr- you know, nothing really to, to talk about there, but. Um, well, you
0: know, look, uh, now we're going to go over to your job because there's plenty to talk about by way of, what you do for a living. So before I go over to these list of questions that we've prepared, I myself have some questions that I'm sure a lot of people out there are too. Just, and I want you to just speak to us as if we are kindergartners. No, no, like third graders because we're kind of smart over here on this podcast. So (laughs) who who needs a prenup? Like when would I need a prenuptial agreement? Okay, so generally speaking,
1: I always advise anyone who has established themselves in their career and has established a firm financial foundation for themselves to explore the possibility of a prenuptial agreement. Okay. So you as a 20 something getting married may not necessarily need a prenuptial agreement. Most 20 somethings, typically speaking, um, haven't amassed, you know, any real wealth, um, they're still trying to figure out their career choice um you know they mm-hmm. just haven 't put a whole lot of time into building their adult life yet um so a prenup may not depending on what kind of inheritance you may have uh a prenup may or may not you know be necessary at that age Okay. but I, to some okay. of my older um more established uh fiances out there uh, <laughs> you, you may you 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 really want to consider that because you know um one thing is for certain uh that the, the likelihood of your marriage not working and i hate you know having to bring oh, up statistical these statistics data. Oh. yeah but the likelihood oh. of your marriage not working out and ending in divorce is fairly high in this country so um you have to pr- plan for that you know and that's what a prenuptial agreement is really is all about it's planning out your divorce before it happens
0: okay so basically and- if i'm 20 years old and I have a big Jordan collection, then I need to make sure that my butt is covered so you don't try to take half of my shoes if you try to walk away. (laughs) Well,
1: (laughs) you know, you really don't necessarily need a prenuptial agreement to do that. Um, At least in my state, in Georgia, um, anything that you acquire before you get married is what we call premarital property. And it's not subject to equitable division in a divorce proceeding. So Uh long as you do not convert that property to marital property by actions of the parties. And I know that that sounds very, very technical, right? But what it really just means is if you own an asset before you get married, and you don't do anything to convert it into a marital asset or share it with your Meaning spouse. Meaning like putting it, it in it shared uh,
0: banking account or something.
1: Exactly. Or or start allowing your spouse to wear the shoes in your scenario, oh, <laughs> you know, okay. um, yeah. or, or even buy and sell the shoes and add to the collection, so to speak. Then it's going to continue to be a non-marital asset or a premarital asset. So you don't really have to worry about it being taken. Now, if you, you know, do do uh you know utilize that collection of shoes say you you borrow money against the, that collection of shoes and that money is used uh for the household and your spouse Helps you pay back the money that you then borrowed it so it, is, com-
0: it, it's like communal property, right?
1: It she can make the argument that you have, through your actions, converted that <gasps> non marital premarital property not my shoes, property. not my J's exactly, girl. Them J's is gone, okay? So, so- you know, <laughs> You wanna make sure you don't do that. Okay. So that you know, that's why I say, you know, 20 somethings, 30 somethings, it's not as important as when you start to get into the older ages. Or it's not really about age. I want to make sure we're very clear on that. Because Mm -hmm. if you have amassed quite a bit of well, let's say you're Chris Brown or Rihanna, you have amassed quite a bit of
0: wealth before or Najah Hall
1: 21 or Najah Hall. There you go, girl. (laughs) Um, then of course you're still gonna want uh to to um to explore a prenup so it really is more so about your net worth and what you've established in your life kylie jenner you know if i
0: have if i started in corporate america right out of college and i've been Mm -hmm. working for 10 15 years and i've amassed a substantial amount in my 401k have some pretty Mm -hmm. good investments i bought a house um then what i basically i need a prenup if i don't want to split anything that i have in half well, like I said before,
1: generally speaking, you know, those if you already obtained those assets before you get married, mm-hmm. then most of those assets are going to be non-marital assets. The problem becomes is if you're married 10, 15, 20 years after that, It becomes really, really cloudy as to what was marital versus non-marital, what the spouse has contributed to versus what the spouse hasn't contributed to, what has been converted to marital by the actions of parties. So a prenuptial agreement, although that property is still technically non-marital, the -hmm. prenuptial agreement is going to make it very clear that this property, because it's going to list that property right? And it's going to be very clear that this is non-marital or premarital property that is not going to be subject to a divorce case. So it's one less
0: thing to litigate and argue over and waste time and money over should the marriage uh, be one of those that's in that fifty percent failures. Rate. That's
1: exactly right. You, you're protecting that premarital interest in those properties by making it very clear in your prenuptial agreement that you amassed this wealth or this this whatever asset it is before you got married. Another big, uh, I guess, purpose of a prenup is to decide what's going to happen in the event of a divorce, right? To the marital Mm -hmm. property, because, you know, nine times out of 10, that couple is going to amass marital property. Whether They're going to buy a house together. They're going to probably open some joint bank accounts. They may even get some brokerage accounts and buy some stocks uh, together. And so if one party is more financially uh, stable than another, or just more wealthy than the other person, then generally speaking, one party is usually contributing a little bit more and sometimes a lot more Mm -hmm. than the other party is towards the marital property. And so you want to talk about, okay, in the event we get a divorce, what percentage of the marital property are you going to take? And what percentage am I going to take? You're
0: saying this like, this is a very easy conversation. This is a coffee table conversation that an engaged couple is going to have. How, like have you seen in your own line of work have you seen anybody have a really crafty way of presenting a prenup um to their person yeah
1: it there is there
0: really How are you supposed is to ask? No, no easy way i could see with two divorce people or two yeah. people that already have a lot established i could see it being like okay hey this is just a matter of business for us we can still get back to our romantic life but how, how is somebody supposed to ask this? Hey, can I, I don't want you to get my Jordan. So can you sign this piece of paper? Like, how are you supposed to? Well, how
1: I advise my clients is to first have a general conversation about what each of your estates looks like. Okay. What does your portfolio look like? What is your net worth? How okay. much debt do you have? What is your credit score? What is on your credit? Do you have questions that we don't
0: even ask? Come exactly. on, y'all. Y'all know so- a lot of y'all out there listening did not ask these questions. Before. So I think it,
1: it, this is so true. It's so true. We do not ask these questions. Um, we don't like. It's not sexy, like you said. We don't no. like to bring this up, especially when your romance is high in the very beginning and everything that he's doing is so wonderful. You, especially we as women, we do not want to turn him off in any way, shape, form, or fashion mm. from being Mr. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. We're afraid that he's going to walk away from us if we ask him for this prenuptial agreement, or even if we start asking financial questions that he's not prepared to answer. So, you know, it is one of those things where you do have to sit down and put on your big girl panties, for lack of a better word. And you've got to sit down and say, okay, you know, I love you. I know you love me. I really want to spend the rest of my life with you. Let's see what we can build together financially. And let's see what we've already built and how we can, we can potentially merge what we've already built. Uh, if that's going to happen. You know, just now have know that general talking. conversation to say, you know, in a very positive way. You, you know, right? in that in that way, that kind of opens that door for you to start asking questions about finances, right? Because you're you're sitting there talking to him as though y'all are about to be this power couple and like you're gonna be able to build together. Okay. Right. right. And so that 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 usually brings down any kind of tension. And, you know, you can really sit down and have a real conversation. And then if you discover. That I guess they if have a been- woman
0: brings it up, though, Natalie, then it's kind of like, hey, she has assets, too. Because why would it behoove a person who doesn't really have assets that is marrying into wealth to bring something like that up?
1: When you say marrying into wealth, you mean if he's also independently wealthy? Well, let's
0: just say you are married. I am marrying a person that's independently wealthy. They have far more wealth than I. It doesn't sound like it would benefit me to sign one Right
1: Um, Yes it would actually benefit you to sign one Because you want to actually
0: marry this Independently wealthy
1: person and sometimes If you don't sign they're not going to marry you Have you seen that though
0: like how many times Does that actually happen It
1: happens more often than You think if they are Financially savvy and they have good Counsel they're not going to go into a Marriage knowing that they are Potentially exposing themselves uh you know to have having to divide half or more of of their future what
0: about signing prenups under duress because i have seen that argument happen in a few cases where women have uh not not women because i'm so sorry everybody not to be uh not to be inclusive where couples have one of the people one, one person has said well i signed it under duress i didn't feel like i had a choice and um it's been honored and overturned yeah,
1: um, it really depends on the individual circumstances in that particular case. Honestly, Naja. I mean, I, you know, if you were to research this, you'd find cases where, you know, the person pre- presented a prenup the day of the wedding or the day before the wedding. Yeah. And generally, those are pretty easy to overturn, okay? You know, they haven't had the opportunity to seek independent counsel. They haven't had an opportunity even sit down and really read it in detail. uh, And then you've already put them under the pressure of, okay, all of my family's coming into town. Mm. We've already spent all of this money. What are they going to do? You have your dress. We
0: have the food. We're ready to go.
1: We're ready. We're reared and ready to go. We've spent money and time into this. And so those are usually, depending on your state, and I can only speak for Georgia, but they're usually be easily overturned. One of the things we always advise our clients who are seeking prenups which is usually the person with the assets to lose, Mm -hmm. uh, is to go ahead and make sure that the other party has their own independent counsel And that you guys are reviewing this at least 90 days before any wedding. That's at least. We prefer six months before the wedding to start Mm. reviewing and negotiating those terms.
0: It just all feels so businessy, you know, but. It ah. does.
1: It does. And if that person cannot afford their own independent counsel, it is fine for the wealthy person in that relationship to go ahead and hire counsel for them. Now, let them choose their own independent counsel, but you just pay the bill for you know them to have their own counsel. That's perfectly okay, as long mm. as they're getting their own independent counsel to review the prenuptial agreement. And these are ways you keep from your prenup being uh, invalidated or overturned. At in you know in the event of a
0: divorce. Okay. So what's the silliest thing that you've seen somebody? And we're gonna get off this prenup because I know I could talk about this all day. But what's the craziest <laughs> thing you've seen someone put in their prenup? Like I, I I can give you guys an example, but I want you to give me one first. Like, what have you
1: seen? You know I haven't honestly I haven't seen very many crazy. Things. Things, but one of the most common things is the um, the provision about uh, infidelity or okay. cheating. Okay, it's what we call it a morality clause. Okay, and so it base most of the time it's going to basically say that the person, the the non wealthy person, if they were to be you know caught cheating or otherwise be unfaithful or adulterous in the relationship, uh, that they're going to forfeit any benefit that they were going to receive under the prenup. Mm, okay okay and i mean that so, sounds fair and and it can go both ways now i've seen it where you know the person the independently wealthy person uh gives up all prenup uh provisions if they were to cheat so any any prenup provisions that would have protected their assets go out the window and the divorce is going to be treated like a normal routine divorce uh okay. for, for those purposes I'm, I'm so you can go, that. yeah mm-hmm. okay okay
0: does your partner share kids with a loony Are your stepkids driving you up a wall? Is your partner failing miserably at setting boundaries? Well, VIP Stepmom is where you need to be. We're an exclusive private community just for stepmoms, and we'd love for you to join our tribe. Each month, our members enjoy private conversations, podcasts, expert workshops, a subscription to Stepmom Magazine, and monthly live Zoom meetings. If you're ready to join a diverse community that is committed to making sure you live your best life, visit VIP Stepmom today. We'll save a seat for you. VIP, Step Moms, that's you and me. So then we're, we're I'm kind of getting off prenups because I think everybody, you know, that's listened to this, either you're married, divorced, um, engaged, recoupled, singled, whatever. Like we all know what the general idea of a prenup is, but you know, something that I don't, am not really familiar with is the difference between a will and a trust. What in the heck is the difference?
1: Okay. Well, a will, at least again, in my state, everything that I'm speaking of just for your listeners, uh information comes from and, you know, a georgia speaking, perspective
0: and by the way yeah. guys you all know as we say and we leave the disclaimer this is definitely not intended to be legal advice natalie ain't your lawyer you have not paid her a retainer this is just a conversation Amen. between girlfriends and Poor one of do. them just happens to be one of the best lawyers in the country so but that's it <laughs> but that's exactly so this right is general um this is just literally general conversation so exactly this yes. is general information out for the
1: masses but yeah so a will uh the, the biggest difference between a will and a trust is that a will has to be probated under some circumstances uh, with with the exception of a few uh wills or or types uh, and sizes but most wills have to be probated and what that means is You have to file a petition with the court and the court has to go through a probate process in order to effectuate the terms of the will. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, a trust does not get probated. And so the importance of that is that your creditors, um, you know, don't have as much of an opportunity to come after your assets upon your death. Uh, it's not as much of a hassle for your executive, the executor of your estate or your family members to, you know, cl- open and close your estate. Uh, it's just a cleaner, uh, safer way to hold your property. OK, so, oh. you know, um, and so, you know, there are different types of trusts that. uh that you can seek depending on the purpose behind your seeking the trust. Some people want asset protection. Some people just want to avoid probate and streamline the process. And so no, wait,
0: just to be clear, what is probate? Mm-hmm. Cause I've heard a probate court, but what's probate yeah. mean?
1: So probate again, is just the process by which courts uh, take a look at the will. Uh, and uh, pretty much uh, assists the executor in effectuating the terms and conditions of the will. So whoever is supposed to get the property that is listed in the will, the courts make sure that the property is treated a certain way until they've put in an order that that particular beneficiary is going to get whatever they are supposed to get. So it's an also example would be: Let me
0: ask you this: An example yeah. would be if an older person passes away, and he leaves in his trust, not his will. He leaves his business to no, I'm sorry, his home. Let's just say something easy. His home to his oldest son. Now the home is currently being occupied by his three younger children who are unemployed, don't really have anywhere else to go. But when he dies and this older son gets awarded this home, um, the courts can come in and basically have help the older son clear that house out so he can take it over.
1: Well, no, that's not generally how it
0: works. (laughs) Okay, so okay, so wrong,
1: wrong, wrong. (laughs)
0: That's how we got you here. A
1: will the biggest difference between a will and trust is the will requires court in in most circumstances requires court involvement. Okay. Okay, a court proceeding has to occur for the will to be probated, which means. For the beneficiaries to receive whatever they are supposed to receive under the will.
0: So it's not legitimate. And so this little piece of paper, notebook paper that I have for my great granny, so since they didn't go to court, that doesn't mean anything.
1: No, it doesn't. No, the will doesn't get probated until after you pass. Oh, wow. Okay. I hope you guys out there are understanding this. Yeah, I'm sorry if we missed that detail. Once you pass away is when the will gets probated. You don't need to probate a will until the person who created the will has died. Okay. Okay. That's when the will has to go through probate. Mm -hmm. And it depends on the size of the estate. Some smaller estates don't have to be probated, but if it's over a certain amount, depending on your estate, then that will is likely going to have to be probated in probate court. So you're the executor, whoever you appoint over, you know, as the overseer of your will has to file certain documents with the court. And then the court has to do an assessment of your estate. And then the court has to, uh, issue pretty much in order letting the executor know that she she or he can now you know uh pass out your or 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 devise your your property how long does all of this take after someone
0: passes away
1: It can take it it depends if someone wants to challenge the will. It could take years, you know, and it it depends on the size of your estate. Creditors can come in and file, you know, uh, (gasps) motions into your estate and try to take your estate property. I saw that the the IRS just
0: um, tried to do, I think, six point seven million against Aretha Franklin's estate. I did recently see that in the news.
1: So, yeah, creditors can come into the estate and try to get what's rightfully theirs before your beneficiaries can get theirs. And so the trust is really designed to to prevent that. It doesn't go through probate. Your property won't go through the probate process. The, The property upon your death is generally speaking owned by the trust itself. It's no longer owned by you. So the property never even goes into your estate. Okay. It's owned by the trust. So you think of a oh. trust as a human being. Okay. The trust can own property, the trust can open bank accounts. And so it becomes a human that owns those assets. Okay. Or like a human that okay. would own those assets. a, a completely right?
0: separate entity from something. From you that... as an individual. Ah, exactly. I see. Like an LLC so- or Okay, I see. Mm -hmm.
1: see. So it can function as both asset protection uh, document and as a document that will allow your trustee or your executor to avoid the probate process.
0: Okay. So why isn't everybody doing a trust as opposed to a will?
1: Well, everybody, it's not necessary for everybody to get a trust. If you don't have a lot of creditors or if you don't have a lot of property that you can't pass on in other ways, then you really don't need a trust. And so you really do need to talk to an estate planning attorney to decide whether you really just need a will or if you need a trust. Because like I said, if your estate is below a certain amount, depending on which state you're in, then you don't your will won't even get probated anyway. Your executor will just pass out the property as You know, um, as outlined in your will, and that's going to be that. And there are so many other estate planning tools by which you can pass property to your beneficiaries without a will. I mean, without it going through a will or through the probate process or being put in a trust for instance life insurance policies life insurance policies don't pass through a will and they don't necessarily get placed into a trust they go by beneficiary whoever's listed on that beneficiary form is the person pass, that gets the it's going to automatically get that money creditors can't get to it nobody can try to circumvent that it goes directly to your beneficiary so depending on the types of assets you hold you may not need a trust at all
0: but when we're talking uh, like have... liquid po- properties when we're talking homes boats Uh, expensive vehicles those are the things that creditors can come for to get paid back
1: exactly so if you're a state consist of, like you said, real estate, uh, boats, annuities, um, stocks, sometimes some of those assets can be still left at, you know, through a beneficiary. Uh, but if your beneficiaries are minors, for instance, or very young adults, do you really want an 18 year old to get a $200,000 windfall from a right. life insurance policy uh, upon your death? That's when you may want to consider opening a trust and having the trust be the beneficiary. So whenever you pass away, that money goes into the trust. And then your trustee, whoever you have appointed over your trust, gets to devise or distribute those funds to the 18-year-old in accordance with the trust rules, which your attorney would draft up. So who can be appointed you... as a
0: trustee then? That means like Anyone. a bank
1: or a governing body no. or an attorney? Anyone over the age of eighteen in Georgia. So every state's going to have their own rules in relation to the appointment of trustees. Here, you just have to be an adult, and you have to be, of course, of sound mind. Can't be incapacitated. Okay.
0: Got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this. Oh my goodness. So I'm learning so much because I'm I'm pretty ignorant to all of this. Um, my family is not not yet we we don't have substantial wealth and so we've not had these big will readings that you'll see on the movies and you know it's never been that crazy so when i hear of someone called a trust fund baby this just basically Mm -hmm. means exactly what you just explained to us right natalie like somebody left them a whole bunch of money and they are going to be, it's going to be doled out to them at certain points in their life. 18, 25, 30, whatever, right?
1: That's exactly right. And I want to make it very clear that a trust can distribute property while you are alive or after you've passed. It does not have to be, it does not go into effect necessarily, after you pass like a wheel would okay so you can be very much so alive and your child can be very much so a trust fund baby if you've placed money in trust for your child throughout your lifetime or you know or or however long you've had that trust mm-hmm. and that child reaches certain milestones in accordance with what you've put in that trust for instance sometimes people want to say my child will get a $20,000 distribution upon graduation from high school they'll get another $20,000 distribution upon graduate successful uh, successfully obtaining a bachelor's degree or mm, reaching I the see. age of 25 whichever occurs first you see what i saying like so like on
0: Power Book 2 when Ghost um, said that Tariq couldn't get his million of dollars until he graduated from college
1: absolutely
0: absolutely so
1: that's you setting up a trust for the benefit of your child and those trusts can be revocable or irrevocable those are the two main basic types of trusts a revocable trust is one where the person who's creating the trust we call it the settler or the trust store that person who's creating the trust which is usually the parent in in the trust fund scenario Mm -hmm. um They can change that trust, they can change the beneficiary, they can take assets in and out of the trust, they can pretty much do whatever they want to with that trust, so long as that parent is alive. And then once that parent dies, the trust becomes irrevocable at that point that means no further changes can be made to the trust trust property may I mean you may be able to add to the trust but you can't change the language and you can't move anything out except for in accordance with the trust rules okay so that's a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust is one that upon the creation by the parent parent can no longer make any changes to the trust unless they get court approval or the approval of all the beneficiaries or whatever your state's rules are when it comes to modifying an irrevocable trust, okay? Mm, So that one gives you a little bit more asset protection because it literally changes the ownership over to the trust right away instead of waiting until you've passed. So anything you put in that irrevocable trust becomes the property of that irrevocable trust immediately upon you putting it in there and there is no backseat, okay? So if you put your house in there, the house is now owned by that trust and whatever that trust rules are in relation to property management, it is going to apply. So you have to be very careful in drafting your trust because if you draft it and you don't make it revocable, you're going to be kind of stuck like Chuck in a lot of states,
0: okay? Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, this is it sounds like one of those deals where all of these, actually, it's just best to check your state laws. Okay, and so, just, Natalie... just hire you...
1: an attorney. Don't check your state laws, people. You check with an attorney <laughs> in your state, okay? In a wait, state so essentially, could lawyer. a
0: person draw up... I mean, I know it's ill-advised, but is this a case where you have to have an attorney in order to... Um, submit your trust
1: absolutely not
0: anyone can create a trust trust too like this is like what is there a website well
1: it depends every state's rules are different in georgia a, a trust does not have to be recorded anywhere okay it's just your document and you would submit it to the bank. If you're opening trust accounts for your trust, you'd submit it to your trustees, whoever you've appointed as trustees so they can know what their duties are. You of course want to talk to your trustees guys before appointing them as trustee because it's not a it's not a job for the faint of heart depending on the size of your estate. So you want to make sure whoever you're appointing, whether it be the executor of your will or a trustee over your trust, you want them to know that you're doing that and you want them to be a willing participant, okay? Otherwise, yeah. you just have issues later when they say, I didn't know I was appointed. I don't want to do this. And so they have and to try to get out of and it. And now you and you can't
0: explain it to them. And exactly. it's just a whole hot mess. So just communication is key. And uh, it really is. And please find an attorney to help walk you and your family. But yeah, through this it's process. not.
1: It's something that they can do on their own to answer that question, Naja. but I don't advise them to do it on their own for these okay. reasons because they don't don't know the implications they're not going to know the implications of the type of trust that they're going to be trying to draft Mm, and like you say once you execute that thing you start putting property in it it can be a detrimental thing to you and your portfolio if you don't know what you're doing Mm. so definitely hire a very knowledgeable and experienced estate planning attorney in your state
0: yes okay so natalie k howard are you ready for some of these internet questions Oh, girl, I thought
1: those were the internet questions. Okay, those are
0: all off. Those are all just (laughs) me wondering how in the hell do I do? No, those are literally all my questions. Okay, so we are going to start. Oh, wow. Okay, so they're just getting right to it. Hey, Najee, could you please ask Natalie, what's the way (laughs) Raquel says, what's the best way to ensure that my husband's baby mama is never able to touch any of my assets if I die? Okay, so.
1: It's her current husband,
0: is that right? Yes. uh huh. It sounds like he has children with another person. Uh, so, this okay, now, like I don't she's know what
1: I don't know what state she's in, so I don't know she either. cannot. I want, I want her to know that this is not legal advice. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but the best way, if if she's, what I hear her saying is, if I pass away, and I leave all of my assets to my husband. Then my husband's estate is now going to take over all of my assets. Now, all of my assets are now in inside my husband's estate. I'm gone. I know
0: so where now you're going my husband this. is
1: going to leave all of his assets to uh. his child, right? Uh-oh. and who is in control of his child yes, baby, it's a baby mama right so that's what she's really asking I think in this question I think is that's what,
0: yes that's what yeah she's so I think you just so, answered the question with that breakdown <laughs>
1: <laughs> well her question is how can she avoid that right yes, okay yes so the only real way to avoid that is to leave the property uh in a trust for the child if you're afraid, if you think that the child is going to eventually, you know, be the the owner of this property, you can leave the property to trust for the benefit of the child and appoint someone independently as a trustee to issue this money to the child when the child becomes of age. But even then, the child could still share that money once they, it's might, they, they
0: might break their mama, their mama off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Exactly.
1: Exactly. But basically, so basically,
0: there unless she leaves no money to her spouse, no assets. Right, Um, her half of the assets she can leave it either to her own kids or gosh i don't know donate it to cats or something so basically there's not really anything she can do
1: not 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 really not not really because at the end of the day her assets are going to become his ass the only way she could do this is if she if he predeceases her (laughs) that's the only way he'd have to die first and leave her Uh all of his assets and then of course there's no privity between her and the baby mama but as long as you know they share that child it's a it's a real possibility if she predeceases him assuming there's a real possibility that that child could end up with those benefits and share those benefits there's with mom you
0: can do about it okay. yeah so then in the instance where let's just say um he does pass first would this mean that he would just have to it sounds like this is a, b- a matter of he just needs to have all his paperwork straight meaning a trust for the kids um I'm sure a lot of people's divorce decree they have to leave they they have to name their ex spouse with minor children as a beneficiary so then um, would the baby mama be able to come after the second wife um, in the instance where the husband died come after the second wife for what assets um piece of the house let's just say he still owes child support like what happens with all of that because i know a lot of women are so concerned
1: so as far as the assets are concerned no she wouldn't have any claim to any of his his assets by way of just being his child's mother i mean she would have to have some other reason to or ability to go after his assets breach a contract or something like that Mm -hmm. um but as far as the child support is concerned the child i mean if he's not there to pay it and depending on you know what kind of asset protection he's done she might be sol on that Mm -hmm. you know as far as the the baby mom is concerned what she could do is put a a life insurance policy on the 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 child's father's life so that if he were to pass it would cover any remaining child support obligation he would have until the child you know reaches the age of majority whatever that is in that state okay Okay? so That's and so the the best she would way need, need his
0: herself. permission to do that, right? Like you would need permission to put
1: That's, a... Yeah, generally speaking, you need permission or you can ask him to go ahead and put a life insurance policy on his own life uh, for the benefit of that child in case he does pass away. And, and so, so there'll be money to, to support the child. He could have that money rolled into a trust for his child, like we talked about earlier.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then he could appoint his own trustee over that money and divvy it out to the child or to the baby mama as needed I in see. the discretion of the trustee.
0: Okay, yeah. all right. So Alicia asks, or she says, my partner and I are not married, but we co-own our home and we have a domestic partnership in the state of Maine. I've talked about a will to be sure his estate goes to his children, not his ex. I'm fine financially. Does he need, what does he need to do Um in order to ensure of this or is it automatically going to his child's mother because we are not married also this is all the reason we are not married wow that was a long question but that was a pretty good question she's like okay what happens since we're not married
1: can you summarize her question because it was kind of long and i got a little bit lost
0: okay okay let me summarize basically she's asking um she's saying hey we have a domestic partnership and i'm assuming that means it's a legal domestic partnership um, and I don't know how it works, obviously. No, who, like, you don't know how it works either, where she yeah, is. Yeah, and I'll give her both answers. Uh, so let's just, go let's give both answers. Let's just say she's just not married. They just um, are cohabitating. And then I want you to also give an answer if they have a domestic partnership. What sure. happens to her partner's assets should he pass away?
1: Okay, so this is a very state-specific question. The first part of this question uh If if they have what we call a common law marriage that is going to be recognized by their state.
0: And I know in my state, well, where I'm from, Tennessee no longer recognizes those.
1: Right. Georgia doesn't either. Georgia hasn't recognized common law marriage since 1997. So, you know, here. A lot of y'all are thinking y'all common
0: law married and you're not. Yeah.
1: So you you really need to. check your state's laws on that but generally like in Georgia for for purposes of uh probate and you know uh posthumous at uh, dividing of assets yeah she would be out of luck she gets nothing oh. she gets nothing it all goes to the children and so every state to, to answer the second part of that every state has their own rules of what we call intestate succession and what that just means is if you die without a will what rule they have their own rules set in the statutes of how your property is going to be distributed okay so Mm. for instance in georgia if you die without a will our intestate succession law says your spouse gets half of whatever you have and your children get half in equal shares so if you have two children one will get 25 is this minor children or adult children adult children or minor children Oh, so y'all, oh God, y'all better get your paperwork together. <gasps> right. Oh, wow. So you're sure your spouse gets half and your children, get the other half. If you do not have your paperwork together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, some states say your spouse takes all if you die without a will and it doesn't matter okay. whether you have children or not. And I know you
0: all are probably getting annoyed with us saying it depends on your state laws, but this is literally a case where it takes you five seconds to kind of go and look up what your state law says so you can know what to tell, you know, how to proceed or if you need to go contact your attorney with a sense of urgency.
1: Absolutely. So in her scenario, of course, it's going to depend on what the state's intestate laws are. Um, If they're like George's and she is common law married to him, she would get high. And the children would get other ha- another half. If it's not like Georgia, she could get all potentially. Um, and if it's uh, if they don't recognize common law, she's going to get nothing. And then her children, his children, I'm sorry, would get the uh, totality of his estate. Okay, but again, every state is different. It could be that his parents would get half and then his children. It really just depends on the state. So you got to look that up, guys. And again, talk to a professional in your area to make sure you're properly interpreting your state's statutes on people who die without um, a will.
0: I've seen some really tragic cases of people that, like you just mentioned, that maybe died without a will or they never just did update their will, update their beneficiary. I heard of cases where, you know, someone got a divorce and remarried a year later and then they died, but they forgot to take their ex-wife off their um, life insurance as a beneficiary. And she is under yeah. no obligation to hand that money over to his new person. Wow. you know, Yeah. Just, I mean, yeah.
1: no obligation. It's whatever's on that form. So you guys have got to make sure that you are... You know, updating your forms accordingly. Because please um, believe that's one of the first things Miss Naja did. We said we're wiping
0: all of that mess out. Okay. Right.
1: So. Your estate, one of the biggest mistakes that people do is they create a, an estate plan, they set it and they forget it, and they never revisit it. It is literally a living, breathing uh thing. You have to revisit it, you have to look at it. What is best practice at least to once revis- a year? Okay, once a year. At least once a year, because what? things change so rapidly. You, you acquire properties, you get New married, children. you get divorced, you have more children, you have more grandchildren, you know. Uh, and so you really do need to go back and look at your estate plan at least once a year. I advise twice a year, every six months, if you if you can okay people pass away what if your trustees pass away before you do and you've appointed them as trustee now you 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 could be in a situation where the court is having to appoint a trustee over your you know, it stays. Oh, so, wow. um, you just want to,
0: again, revisit things. People don't really think about how quickly life can change. Absolutely. Cause this is one of those things that we kind of do just want to set it and forget it because who wants to talk about the end of our lives, but it's, it's one thing that we know that's going to happen for sure. sure. We don't know when, but that's one thing you can count on. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Last question. Carla says, Hey, Natalie, I have a prenuptial agreement that states that my home is separate from my marital property. Obviously, I know it's probably better to have a will, but will this prenup help protect my family in keeping my home in case I pass away? Basically, what she's saying is uh, I don't think she wants her husband to get the home. She wants her her children or her immediate family to get the home.
1: Yeah, so that is, again, going to depend on your state law. But generally speaking, if your prenup says that the the property is non-marital, let's say it says it's non-marital, it's yours in the event of a divorce. That does not necessarily mean he won't get it as part of the probate process or the intestate succession process that we just talked about for when people die without a will. If your prenup says it's non-marital, but your uh, state law says, that your husband takes or the spouse takes all in a, you know, intestate succession situation, then he still could end up with the house because you haven't done any type of estate planning to make sure that the house goes to someone else. Okay. So um, you definitely need a will or a trust in that situation or circumstance uh, because there's it's, it's highly likely like in georgia if that if you were in georgia and that scenario played out then and you had no will so no you know obviously the divorce never happened so the prenup the, it, it never even comes into effect right because it only comes into effect in the event of a divorce
0: mm-hmm. so
1: that means that the laws of intestate succession in georgia because you don't have a will would take over and the laws say so that, that house, he was 50 So the prenup
0: is basically older. null and void.
1: Okay. Once she passes, yeah, if they're still married and she passes, it doesn't matter. Unless they put in the prenup those types of will provisions, right? So you can that put that in about. there. Yeah, um, so if she didn't put in there that upon my death, my house is going to go to my children, then the prenup it just becomes null and void. And at the end of that, you you're going to, be looking at the laws of intestate succession that says the the house is going to be owned 50% by the husband, 25% by one child, 25% by the other child. She has two children. So they would all own it together. And then they would have to decide whether to sell it, who's going to occupy the home, who's going to pay the taxes and all that other stuff. So it's super important if you don't want them to end up on a title together on this property to have a plan. Because if
0: they end up on the title together, that means they all have to come to some sort of agreement when it comes to selling or, or divvying up this property or whatever they're going to do. Exactly with it. Right. That's and exactly right, and we all know messy. how things happen after that, where it gets really messy, really fast. So
1: really messy, really fast,
0: especially if the children don't get along with her husband for whatever reason. Right, okay. right, and people get greedy after people die. You know, it's just it's just something that happens. So I, I have a, a question. It's something that I, I'm. I should have asked when we were talking about the probate court part, but I remember hearing a few years ago that when you when you go to probate, then they take a fee from whatever that is. So if you there's a house that's in question, it's like a three or five percent fee of that total. Right. So
1: of That's going has- to depend very specifically on state law. And I want to be very clear that I am not a probate attorney. I'm a, an estate planning attorney. So I deal with everything that goes along with your estate plan before you die.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> a
1: probate attorney deals with everything that occurs after you die. Okay, so okay. that's the difference, and there are a lot of probate attorneys who do not do any type of estate planning.
0: I see so, why. Geez, yeah,
1: two separate, Jesus. two separate areas of law. Although they are very closely related, they're two separate areas of law. So you know.
0: Okay, so I, I can't we'll really answer the question, for, questions. <laughs> and it sounds so confusing, but you know, it you know, I, I think everybody that listening to this, I'm gonna go ahead and speak it into existence. We are all gonna have so much wealth, and I want us to all just to know what to do with our money to make sure it stays in our families and that it continues to grow. So, absolutely, yes, absolutely, yes. Oh, my, is it? I feel like. I could ask you a thousand million more questions, but you know, you don't know what you don't know. What, is there anything else that you would like to add that maybe I did not ask?
1: Um, I, I want to add that it, going back to the prenuptial agreement conversation. Oh, yes. That one of the most common things that people want to do in a prenup is try to set custody, child custody, and set child support in the event of a divorce. And I can tell you that in most states, that is not possible. The court is always gonna look at what is in the best interest of those children at the time of the divorce. So it may have been at at, at the time of the prenup, the mother may have been best you know, person to be the primary physical custodian of those children
0: right? with the dad
1: being a non-custodial parent. Mm -hmm. But that may not be the case by the time they reach divorce. Mom could have a a severe emotional problem or be addicted to some type of substance, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, And therefore, the court's not going to enforce an agreement on custody on that's not going to be in the best interest of those children. Okay. So those provisions generally are going to be null and void. Same thing with the child support, because sometimes at the very beginning of a prenuptial agreement, one person is the independently wealthy person and the other person's not. Mm-hmm. And then by the time the prenup is being, uh, you know, uh, reviewed by a court, uh, the other party is, is twice as wealthy as the first individual, you know, you know, independently wealthy person, I should say. So um, the court's going to always look at the current financial state
0: of the parties when dealing with child support. Okay. Oh, okay. I see. Oh, wait, there's one more question. I forgot to ask postnuptial agreements. We're talking all about prenups, postnups. Mm-hmm. Um, when can I, when can I introduce the postnup? Is it ever In- too late to do it? <laughs>
1: Postnups are even more problematic than prenups when when you're talking about introducing them to the other party. But everything that we talked about on prenuptial agreements applies to postnups. The only real difference is that one is signed pre-marital, okay, and one is signed post-marital after you've gotten married. Okay, so what happens most of the time when you hear about people wanting to introduce post-nups into their marriage, usually one of two things has happened. One person has cheated, maybe even had a child on the other party. Girl, yeah. So oh. that's, that's one of the number one reasons why post-nups are, are presented because it, it usually says that. something about a morality clause, something about, you know, in the event of a divorce for the reason of adultery, you're going to have to pay this, this, that, and that, or you're not going to get anything, oh, you snap. know, in the event of
0: a, an adultery,
1: and, or it's going to be where someone has now
0: come into some money okay and so, they went, wait a minute now if you came into money during the course of our marriage and you all of a sudden saying hey Najee, i need you to sign this piece of paper what what yeah i'll be yeah. like wait so it's i'd be like so it's i would stand to gain more by divorcing your ass okay so just say <laughs> that <laughs> That's,
1: uh, But unless it's inheritance right so um, for instance, you know, it, it, and I get you, if you if you start a business and it's and it's going to be wildly successful, it's become wildly successful, that's kinda you know, that's a little shady, but I but if the parties agree the I'm parties, sure people agree. Do who it, am yeah. I? Yeah, who am I to judge? Right. But if you are um if you say got a huge inheritance now we in, in Georgia, inheritance is non-marital, even if you get it during the marriage. Mm-hmm. If it, if you inherited money from a relative, it is your money unless you do what we talked about earlier, which is co-mingle it or, you know, convert it to marital property by the, the actions of the parties. OK, mixing mm-hmm. it in with marital funds, using it for marital reasons. Um, As long as you keep it separate, it's yours. Okay. And so sometimes people want to use their inheritance in the marriage without converting their in full inheritance to marital marital property. So they'll get a post nuptial agreement that basically says, look, yes, I'm going to use some of this inheritance for marital reasons, but under no circumstances will we consider my inheritance marital property in the event of a divorce okay so that's another wow oh when it comes when it comes to the coming that's a to tough community. coffee
0: t- com- table conversation to broach too <laughs> yeah but I, yeah. it makes sense especially if you're the one that got a big old lump sum
1: right you don't want you know to have to share aunt mary's you know fortune that would be heartbreaking. With somebody who you're having marital issues with and then you know we I'm then i'm
0: going then we're gonna be talking about somebody ending up on an episode of snapped and we don't want that That's right, girl.
1: You just got to do what you got to do to protect these assets. And so, you know, most people in those circumstances kind of understand, you know, why you're asking for it. But when it just comes to you, all of a sudden, you know, coming up and Mm -hmm. you just don't want to share it. Yeah, you might have a bit of a harder time convincing your spouse to sign one you might i I think you might
0: okay all right see i'm i'm so glad i remembered that one natalie k howard natalie i am so happy you joined us at i know i'm crazy today everybody please please go and look natalie up first of all visit her website it's nkh Legal.com. That's for Natalie K. Howard. Legal.com. If you are in Georgia, Atlanta, metro area, please holla at my girl. Also, Natalie, what's your Instagram? How can they reach you there?
1: Yes, it's at NKH Legal. And same
0: for Facebook. Oh, see, I want you guys to look up and make sure you just spam her and tell her how amazing you she was today and how much she helped you and send her all the referrals in Georgia and all over the world and if she can't get it then she knows somebody that can hook you up. So please follow Natalie at NKH Legal.
1: Yes, please help my Instagram out, guys. It's pitiful.
0: We're gonna How do many followers do you have, Natalie?
1: <laughs> how many Let me go let it's in the goes, hundreds. It's not more than a couple hundred. If please, that, y'all,
0: I'm begging we, you guys. Please, can we follow Natalie from all of your accounts? Even follow her from you guys' Fencer accounts because I know y'all got these fake Instagram accounts. Please follow <laughs> Natalie from <laughs> everywhere. Hilarious. Yes, and thank love, you. Uh, yes, Natalie, I appreciate you. So much for you. Joining thank us you so much. This week. Everybody, I thank you so much for listening. I will see you Tuesday after next. I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall. Every single place your favorite podcast, <clears throat> this one, is streamed. I'll see you guys next time. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know, I know I'm doing crazy. I know I'm crazy. With naja Hall.